Welcome to Backroom Talk. Mike, man, I think uh, I think a lot of people listening know who you are, man. You're you uh, you're a part of one of the most iconic fitness podcasts of all time. You guys did an awesome job in 20. I might butcher it. 2011, 12, 13 ish. I think you guys got started with that thing, uh, barbell shrugged. Um, yeah. You've done a lot of cool things in the business space as well. You spun up this new thing, Strong Coach. Kind of give us uh, give us some insights into what you're doing today, man. Yeah, so back in the spring of 2018, I was taking some time off from work. So actually, I even told any work anyone I was working with that I may not come back. I go, you know, I'm pretty much done, and I'm taking a year sabbatical. And halfway through that that one year sabbatical, it it hit me. I was going into different gyms. I was traveling the world. I was dropping into CrossFit gyms. I was dropping into just um, like functional fitness facilities. I was popping into like on it and all this stuff. And, and I was, I was actually just having a good time for the first time in my life. I was taking real time off and I had spaced. And um, if you're listening, you've never taken off months at a time. I highly recommend it. There's something that happens in that void that just, I don't think it's possible uh, if you're, if you continue to do the same thing you've been doing and it's uncomfortable, that space was un- really uncomfortable. So I had to make sure to fill it with tons of fun. And, uh, during that time, it, it really occurred to me that I was, I was witnessing and I, and I am friends with so many coaches and I was witnessing that the, the conversations between the coaches and their clients and I could tell their clients were uncomfortable and the coach was completely unaware that their client was uncomfortable, even if, it's, even if they'd been working with them for a while. Um, I, I was eavesdropping. I was, you know, I'm over there working out and I can hear what's going on between a trainer and the, and the client. I'm going, huh. And, um, and then also a lot of the coaches and trainers I was running into, um, you know, they were, it was a part-time gig or it was, they were, they were frustrated um, in a lot of ways in regard to, you know, not getting the clients they thought they should have the clients, you know, complaining, their clients aren't listening to them and all this stuff. And I'm looking, I'm just sitting there and it hits me. Actually, I was in a float tank in Austin and uh, sometimes really cool thoughts come and go there. And it really hit me. I go, wow, there's this massive opportunity. Like there's all these coaches that are really missing some really basic, I want to say basic, it was basic to me. It's, it was stuff that I had to go off the beaten path to find for myself. Um, but you know, when you, when you get to know something really, really well, you forget that other people don't know these things. So there's like all this communication and leadership stuff that I was, that I'd gotten into over the years. And I go, wow, if I packaged all this stuff that I've studied over the years and made it specific to trainers, um, then we can really level them up. We can get, make sure that their clients are getting better results. They can get paid better. Um, and uh, th- they'll have a more fulfilling experience as a coach. And, um, and early on, I... I um, I, I made the, the distinction between a, being a trainer and a coach, you know, a trainer being someone who 
may write a may write a program and count reps and sets and all that kind of stuff. And a coach is somebody who really doesn't let anything get in the way between them and their client and their client's dreams. So um, what I'm up to now is really just that's the strong coach. That's that's what we're doing. We're helping out. Uh, we're helping coaches build out themselves as leaders for their clients, helping their clients get better results and, um, and helping, helping them build out their business. And what's really cool is we've been able to really help coaches, even though we teach nothing about exercise, we teach nothing about nutrition, we teach nothing about the things that are commonly taught when someone goes, oh, I want to be a coach and they start looking for things to get, which makes it a little bit harder to sell what we have because it, you know, it requires education. But coaches know it when you start saying, oh, have you experienced this, this, and this? And they're like, oh, I have experienced this. Well, there is a solution. There's a lot in there, man. Um, going all the way back to the beginning of that and, and, and talking about, you just talking about getting away for, you know, a year or, you know, your advice to coaches to, or anyone just to get away and don't work for a couple months. Why did you do that? Were you like running away from something? Did it all become too much? Or were you just like, I just need a break. I'm going to go and do this thing. No, I, no I, I, I'm actually a very durable entrepreneur, I guess you would say. Anyone who can be in the game very long. Um, I, I had already put my head down through the hardest times. Actually, everything had lightened up and everything was pretty easy when I which is kind of true, not like, I'll, I'll paint the picture a bit. In, in the fall of 2017, um, I went from, from the summer of 2017 to the fall of 2017, I went from making the most amount of money I'd ever made to a month later, that getting cut by 90%. So in, in one month I was making 10% and I had to go in and, and fire a bunch of people in my company and there was all sorts of, there's, it, it was chaos. And it involved uh, a partnership that had gone south. What company was this, Mike? Sorry, what company was this? This was Barbell Shrug. And it was primarily Barbell Business, okay. which is, um, we were serving uh, gym owners specifically. And we had created a partnership that, that basically through, I, I won't go into the details of it, but you know, I, I learned a lot of lessons in that. I'll say that. And things, things go sideways. And, and basically we, my business, I, I ended up having to reduce all my employees. Like I had to get it down to just like three of us in the company. And then I had to, to save it. Like I didn't have to do anything, but if I wanted the company to, to ex continue to exist, I did these things. So I made a lot of cuts, ended up in some legal stuff and basically worked you know, 12, 16 hour days for five, six weeks straight. And then I got everything settled and I was sitting there. I was like, all right, well, we'll just start building back. I I've had, I've had, I've taken some big losses in the past and it's always been a blessing. So even though it was very stressful and things like that, I go, well, it, this is going to help us really focus on the things that we need to be focused on. And in that time I, I attended a, a leadership training and then I attended what, what really made the difference for me is I, I went on a week-long retreat afterwards. Everything settled down. I was like, okay, I'm going to work on me a little bit. I'm going to give myself a little bit of space. And I worked with this woman. Her name's Anat Perry. And we went through and worked through 
what I didn't know was there, you know, all those blind spots, you know, the thing you, you didn't know, you didn't know. And I realized that through working with her, I did a five and a half day retreat and it was deep. I mean, it was 12, 14 hour days, five and a half days straight. And it was the deepest work I'd ever done before. It was a lot of emotional healing in that, but also a lot of insight um, cerebrally around why I had behaved the way I had behaved up until that point. And so I, I'd done a lot of emotional healing. And what I got out of that was I realized that everything I had done up to that point in my life was very ego driven. And I was not even certain if me being the CEO of a company was really the role for me, or if that was my ego that was seeking that position. And whether I started, uh, you know, I went into the Navy and I signed up for the hardest programs in the Navy. And then I, you know, open up a CrossFit gym. I do the hardest thing there. I, I uh, do, uh, I start Barbell Shrug, and, which is a lot of limelight, you know, and there's all these things where I saw where I chose like the most challenging things in my life, but also things that would get me noticed as well. And so um, I was like, wow, I don't know if anything I, I really got it. I got down into the question of, is anything I've done up until this point really me or was it what I had learned from my childhood? Yeah, because a lot of that, anytime you get into like emotional healing, you got to deal with things from childhood. And there's things that we learn as children that really create our personality and how we behave in the world. So it goes very, very deep. It's, it goes beyond where, whether like, oh, my ego wants to be noticed. It was like, it really, it really had an impact on what I chose as a profession, um, whether even being in fitness, you know, I was, I was open to not being in fitness anymore or anything like that. When, so I have this experience. I go, I don't know what's mine, and, but I am committed to knowing what is mine. And so I took time off and said, you know what, in a year from now, I'm going to take a year off. And if in a year from now, I'm not inspired to do anything in this industry, I'll leave the industry. So I was completely ready to just leave all of it. Um, but six months into it, I was so inspired. And, and what I had decided in that time, I had about six months out of that 12 months I, I was gonna take off. And what I had, where I was at was, I will only act out of inspiration. I don't care about money. I don't care about, you know, getting noticed, any of this stuff. I just, as long as I'm inspired, no desperation. Um, no working because I need to make a buck or anything like that. And if I, if I do need to make a buck, I'm not going to do it inside my industry or the industry I was in. <clears throat> so it was one of those things where six months into that, it was as if I couldn't stop it and I didn't care how much money it made. And I just knew that there needed to be, this was something that needed to be addressed and that it was just obvious that I should address it. So when I started the strong coach, it wasn't something like, Oh, I want to build like the biggest brand and do this and this and this. It was more of, I, I simply see a need in the, in the market and I'm going to create a solution. And I love coaches. These are my favorite people on the planet. And if I get to work, if I get to make like a, a, a decent amount of money, if I get to live a comfortable lifestyle and my job is to serve coaches from now on, I could get down with that. 
And so I didn't go the whole year sabbatical. It's as if I couldn't stop myself. It was flowing through me. You know, I, I had the realization of float tank. And then, you know, the next day I'm writing the, the web copy. I'm writing the, the words that go on the website. I'm building, by the way, I'm not a, that kind of person. I'm not a website builder or a graphic designer, but I, I built a website and put it up and the next month, you know, a few days later, I made an announcement and I had a bunch of people apply and I had a hundred people apply for the program. And I was like, Oh, okay. This isn't just my intuition speaking. There's real uh, desire for, for help with these things. Um, so I don't, I hope that answered your question. I don't even remember the question, but that was all good stuff, man. Great. No, that was all great. That was all really good stuff. I, um, I really want to go back to something you said in there, Mike, which was the notion of being driven by your ego. What problems was that causing for you? And how do you know you're not being driven by your ego anymore with this pursuit with the strong coach? Yeah, so like, um, you're always going to be driven by something, right? And the ego is, and it depends on how you define the ego. If you talk to Freud, he's going to say ego is one thing. If you talk to uh, another uh, a more modern or postmodern psychologist, they're going to talk about ego differently. If you talk to somebody who is from the spiritual place, and they're, they're, they may say that the mind is ego, period. And so um, I really, my big distinction here is, is it coming from the heart or is it coming from ego? And ego is competitive. Ego is a, uh, seeks accomplishment. Ego... Um, is better than ego is um, is comparing. Um, these are the traits of ego, and ego also is uh, survival. You know, and this is where uh, ego driving desperate behaviors, which which we see a lot of uh, people working for money, right? Um, that could also be referred to as the archetype of the prostitute, and it's okay. We were all the prostitute at some point. Um, that's a piece of the ego. Uh, and so if I'm, if I'm operating from those places, if I'm looking at someone else and going, well, I got to beat them or I want to be even be like them, um, could also be ego, but coming from the heart, it's, it's like true desires. It's what do I really want to see different in the world? When I see that I'm, I feel it in my chest that expansive in nature. Um, and and it's that feeling of inspiration, that's that feeling of purpose. And I actually wrote something recently, I haven't posted it yet, but I was talking about people, you guys may have noticed this, where people are going, oh, you know, I'm, I'm looking for my purpose, or how do you know when you're in your purpose and all this stuff? And I go, and I'm saying, the, the being on purpose or being in your purpose, um, you're not gonna ever be able to put that into words because purpose is not uh, a mental thing. Purpose comes from the heart and purpose in the heart, this, this, this speaks from a feeling, it's a sensation. You, you operate from a sense of purpose and then you do your best with your mind to translate that purpose into a mission. That's something that would be, I can put this into words now. And so where it, how do I know if I'm working from ego or from my heart? It's, I go, wow, I can really stop. And I just check in. I go, am I, am I trying to beat somebody else? Am I thinking about somebody else? 
Am I, is there some number I said I was going to achieve some arbitrary thing I set up and now I'm just going to punish myself if I don't get there. These are all coming from the ego, from the heart. It's, it's unstoppable. And it's, it's following a sensation and then translating that into something that I can verbalize to another human. Um, because if I didn't have to speak and communicate it to a team or to clients and things like that, I could just like follow that feeling everywhere. There, there, it sounded like there was like a, a turning point, man. Um, and last time we spoke, we didn't really dig into this, but when you went from, I, I would assume, Mike, that it was when you went from 100 to 10%, right? Like what, what happened? What was that turning point with the business that catapulted you on this path that you're on today? What's funny is that moment didn't really catapult me into it. I, I, I really only mentioned that to be honest about where I was at. And um, before, before that all went down, I would say the six months leading up until that, there, there was this, um, there was this, okay, I read this book. So I read this book and I don't like announcing the book too much because it's, a highly, it's highly destructive to the mind. Um, and it can make people fairly nihilistic. Um, and I don't, having studied further since then, I, I don't, the problem is, is it's so good and it's so perspective shifting that people could make the mistake that it's the whole and not the part of a whole, if that makes sense. And anytime you make the part, anytime you assume that the part is the whole, that's called extremism. And then you get conflict, right? And so we don't want that. Uh, we want harmony. Well, dude, everyone's an adult that's listening. What, what the hell is the book? So the book is called Spiritual Enlightenment, The Damnedest Thing. Okay. So I just want to put that. Uh, <laughs> he warned you. Hey, he already warned you guys. He warned you. I warned you. And if you do read it, get the entire trilogy and try to finish it as fast as possible. And if you get in the middle of it and you go, oh my God, am I going to get relief at the end? The answer is no. So, um, so I, I read that book and it was recommended by a friend. Actually, I knew about the book for a year before I read it. But then my friend who's a consultant to me says, I think you're ready for the book now. I read the book and all of a sudden everything's in my reality starts dissolving. Um, and not in a moment, not over months. My friends started getting worried about me. They're like, oh, Mike's going to go live under a bridge or something. Um, and I was I was actually getting bored. Like what happened was I was, I was getting bored with everything that was. And so by the time the business did what it did, I was fairly unattached from it. And so it wasn't this, it wasn't this big cataclysmic thing in my life. I mean, there was definitely stress. I was like, Oh shit. Like, you know, I've got business partners. I was more worried about my business partners and their families than I am about, you know, Mike, you know? And so, um, I, that summer I'd gotten so bored with life. I'd gotten so bored with everything, um, that I go, you know what? I really need to do something different. I really need to get into something different. I'm going to sign up for some programs. I'm going to go learn from some people that have been doing this shit much longer than me and see what they have to say and people who are well studied and and all that because uh, i think once you've done a, a certain amount of like intellectual seeking you need something that's gonna 
going to hit harder. Um, and so it really, that, that really, that intellectual destruction that I went through where I started questioning every single thing in my mind and, and asking if it was true and then finding out that none of it was true. Um, it was a, it was a bit destabilizing. So getting into a program where I was able to connect with my heart, um, and get out of that, such an intellectual thing and connect with my heart and get into that space is actually a really nice combination because I stopped believing so much of my own bullshit and I, and I started listening to my heart. And so I think that anytime you're going to get in touch with your heart, you actually have to there has to be a decent amount of intellectual destruction uh, that happens first. What is uh, one of the pieces of bullshit that you were telling yourself that you were able to see through? You know what, it, 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 this is how that book works, um, is it, you're not gonna find like one, it, it, it's like you got all these, you got this whole conversation happening, all these beliefs happening, and then the foundation just gets ripped out. So a thousand things, it's like a game of Jenga. It's not like, oh, what was that one block in the middle? What was the words on that? And I go, I don't even know anymore. Like the, the whole thing just tumbled and I go, I don't care. So it was, there, there were just, see if I can, there, there were some beliefs in there about myself, um, beliefs about, you know, how, like, that I was stupid, um, that, there were belief, like, I'll, I'll talk about the limiting ones, the ones that, these are thoughts that come up in people's head. And I remember, I remember being aware that that would come up in my mind and I would catch it. Like if something didn't go my way, I, I made myself stupid. Um, there were, there were things I would, if people disagreed with me, I would have beliefs about them. Um, there's just, there's just like a lot, a whole host of things. But there were things like, uh, and while I read that book, the the idea, the framework of spectrum, vanished on me, uh, where it, you said, um, you know, if on one side of the spectrum you have someone who's weak, and on the other side of the spectrum you have someone who's strong, this idea that there are there was this duality that could be found on a spectrum vanished, and. I remember somebody talking about sexual preference one day and I go, I don't, I don't really understand what you mean by, by like labeling. It, it, it went that far where it was just kind of like, I, I got to where I was wandering around a lot and, and not really able to comprehend. Like I had gotten so far from the conversation that most people were in that I just didn't really, I couldn't really, talk to them anymore because I didn't believe anything. They, I could tell they believed everything, but I didn't believe it. And I didn't know how to connect that anymore. Those limitations that, you know, you uncovered in yourself, is that something you see in those limiting beliefs? Is that something you see in the coaches that you're working with inside of the strong coach? Oh yeah. 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 The, 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 Here's the thing is like, I'll practically give away the steps to building a successful coaching business for free. It's like, yeah, market like this. Here's all, here's, here's exactly how you do it. This is the step you, if you follow these steps, you'll build the coaching business. You'll be able to help your clients you make money, all this stuff, but they don't do it. So why does somebody not do it? 
It's because they believe something about themselves or the world that if they do this, then something's going to change and it's a threat to their identity. It's a threat to who they are. It's a threat to the ego. So it's, a, it's one of those. And, and the thing is, the ego or the identity, I, I can use those two terms fairly interchangeably, is very protective of itself. Uh, the job of identity, the job of ego is self-perpetuation. It's survival. Um, what happens is, is the, the whole point of the ego is to protect you from physical harm. The problem is in the absence of physical harm, it now wants to protect your offspring or your potential offspring by ensuring your status in the world. And so once, if anything could potentially hurt your status and it just perceived as hurting your status, not actually hurting your status, it will do whatever it takes to survive. And so ego does not try to accomplish anything beyond what is. It can only repeat what is safe. And so when someone starts building their own coaching practice, it is perceived by the ego as dangerous. And you can tell because they'll get short of breath. All of a sudden there's stress present. If there is stress present, stress is actually only present when fear is present. So you, so fear is what drives stress. And so uh, people who actually understand that it's fear and it's not stress are a lot closer to the reality of what's happening um, and there's been uh, some research done on this that people who are really successful are much more likely to identify stress as fear. And those who have a hard time in life identify stress as stress. You know, they identify fear as stress. And so the person who's closer to the truth is going to be able to make uh, a bigger difference in their own lives. So, yeah, I see it show up in coaches all the time. There's very common ones. I have curriculum that basically – I, I headed off at the pass. So okay, I've seen this a hundred times. Boom, we do this first. And then, of course, I mean, I know you guys know this, but the magic's in the coaching. It's like the curriculum is great. And as much as we could try to predict, it's when you've got that person, it's going to go, here's the mirror. This is what you're looking at. And you go, oh, oh, I got it now. You know, give people the language tools necessary to break their own mind down safely and build it back up appropriately by the way i don't recommend anyone do what i did it was dangerous um i didn't know what i was doing i didn't know what i was getting myself into and i don't recommend anyone go as far as i went um and that's why we do what we do because i actually became an owner in the company that does the emotional healing work that i went through because it had such a big impact so i partnered with the woman who took me through that and then i have the strong coach and then i have another course in lifted which is all about language and the and I started all those in the year where I wasn't supposed to work, um, but they just flowed through me with ease and, and it was fun. And if you look at all three of the businesses, if they, the way they work together, it's like, oh, it's meant to break you down and put you back together in, in a way you want to be put together without getting completely demolished. Well, we'll be sure to put a disclaimer on the episode uh, to let people know, don't do what Mike did. <laughs> just like, this is a warning. Yeah. <laughs> I like, I've thought about putting warning labels on, on certain things <laughs> on my website and stuff and just seeing if people are like, cause you know, everyone, the right people want to push the red button. Like, don't push the red button. Like, oh, I got to push that red button. What, what are, what are coaches coming to you for, man? Like, what is the problem they need solved? And they're like, okay, Mike, Mike is going to solve this problem for me. But when they go to your website and 
whatever, they click that red button. What, what's the problem they're trying to solve? Uh, a lot of times it's burnout or it, 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 it's either they've got clients and they're, they don't know how to take a vacation and they're experiencing burnout and they're just like, I, uh, everything's out of sorts. I'm not living in alignment. You know, I'm telling my clients, you know, they should take time off and I'm not even doing it myself. It's, it's either that or somebody who, um, I get a lot of people who've gone through some type of shift in their own fitness career where like I was doing it like this and then I started doing it like that. And then they went through some type of transformative experience and then they go, I don't know how to connect with clients anymore. Or they went through a transformative experience that made them want to be a coach, but they, the gap, you know, I was talking about that gap, that gap got too big. And so it's like, oh shit, I don't know how to help clients in the way that's fulfilling for me anymore. Or, or I, I don't want to do the regular personal trainer thing, or I don't want to do how I was doing it before something has to change. And so usually they're, they've either just had the experience of a major transformation or they're on the precipice of it. And it's always cool because they don't know they are, but you can tell that they are. And you're like, oh, this is going to be a good one. We were taking a peek at uh, the curriculum on your website the other day, uh, and it looked like day one of the five-day course you were doing, you focused oh, yeah. on, like, why should you be a coach? Should you be a coach? Or is, like, or yeah. is coaching for you? Is like, coaching yeah, for yeah. you? Did I, did I yeah. mess it up? Yeah, no, that's right. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah, that's a five-day challenge. So that's just a, that's a challenge we're putting together. So people who may want to do the full program, for 50 bucks, they can, they can get five days with me and I'll, I, I do it live. And, and uh, yeah, it's like the first day is, you know, uh, should you be coaching? Cause I've had people drop major coin with us and then two months in going, Oh, I don't even want to be a coach. Is this, is this what it takes? And it's like, again, in one hand, I think coaching is the easiest thing ever, but if you're not meant to be a coach, then it may seem really difficult. So yeah, we, we, we hit that, we try to hit that early on. And not only that, but there's all sorts of different types of coaches. But you really can make your, you can make, you can create your role to be anything you want it to be. Like for myself, I don't actually coach that much myself. I love instructing. I'm more of an instructor than I am someone who is gonna hold someone's hand from week to week. Um, but I have a, I have a team of people who love, they're not, they don't care to instruct, but they want to hold your hand. So it's, you got to figure out where you're at. What are some of the questions you're asking people to help them peel back the layers and figure out, should they be a coach? I really, the, the very first thing that we do is, and it takes me a good 10, 15 minutes just to set it up, which is I want you to, to write about your life in 10 years from now, having a 10 year vision. And you know, what's your family life like? Where, where are you waking up? Uh, what's your work like? How much are you working? Uh, who are you working with? Uh, you know, where do you live? All these things, get in as much detail as possible. And a lot of times in that very, it's not necessarily a question as much as it is go and spend some time in reflection. And then people, so I'm not asking them directly about coaching. I'm like, I want to know about your life. And I want 
to help you build a coaching business that serves the ideal life you want to live, which in, because everyone goes through that framework with us, what I love is they go and do that with their clients. It's like, okay, you want to lose weight, but really like, what do you want your life to look like? And how do we create a program and coaching that's going to support that? And so a lot of times, most of the time, people who do that exercise, they realize, oh, I want to be a coach. And this is how, how I want to be coaching and where I want to be coaching. And this is what it's going to look like. I'm like, great, we'll design a business for that. And so um, every once in a while, someone comes in and they go, ah, oh, and they do their vision. I go, they go, coaching wasn't in there at all. I go, what? And they're like, all right, later. Like, or they, they, a lot of times people do the program and they'll, they'll be appreciative because they found the thing they actually want to do, even though they bought a coaching program, but they end up being a, a copywriter or they end up being a, uh, uh, they build websites. Yeah. What, what are, cause when we started this conversation before we hit record, you said that I just want to bring value to coaches. Mm -hmm. So where where do you feel like the rest of the market is not bringing value to coaches and what are you doing differently? Um, I don't know. So I, I don't really pay attention to what other people are doing too much. Um, I just do, I just really do what I'm doing. Like I, I know there's, I know the names of the people who are doing similar things, but never been through the curriculum or if I have been through some of the curriculum, um, you know, that was a decade ago or more or something like that. So I really, I really don't know. Um, and, and the way I really approach it is I'm going to put out a message and if it resonates with people, then we'll work together. If it doesn't, then they'll, and, and they're looking for a service that's similar to what I'm offering. If someone else resonates more, they should go do that. And so I'm not really sure what other people are getting. My, my main thing that I like to look at is just results. So every once in a while, someone will go, what about this? And they'll, they'll name off a specific program. And they go, well, what about this program? And I go, okay, well, tell me about the results of the people that have gone through the program. And it's like, do you like that? It's like, oh, you do like that. Great. Do that program. Um, and so I'm a, there, there's definitely, especially like in the emotional well-being and the personal development space, I've, it's easy for me to see uh, the results of those programs with people a lot of times because of the words they use and how they're saying it. So like, like someone might go through a program and I go, wow, they got a lot of, um, they did a really good job of developing their um, self-expression. Man, that, that woman, she went through and now she really speaks her mind. But I can see where like, but they didn't really do much emotional healing work because like, she's expressing her wounds. And I go, but, and I see that like 10 times from people who come through the same program. I go, oh, okay, cool. Well, that program's good for that, but just know that, that, that that's, what it does. Um, but if someone comes to the strong coach, what makes it different? I mean, really my, my main thing is to keep people from making the same mistake that I did, which is build a really financially successful business that you don't like running. 
and don't want to have. And so you build something that actually serves the lifestyle you want to live. Um, I think a lot of programs out there, I imagine a lot of programs out there are teaching a specific way to do it, uh, which may make money and may fit with a lot of people's, a lot of the way people want to do it, but it's not as flexible or the person's not taught how to make the model flexible. So I, I get a lot of people who've done other programs that, that what they've told me is like, well, instead of telling me how to do it, you told me like how to think about doing it, like how to, how to make it, uh, how to think outside the box. Are you working like primarily with coaches in the CrossFit space or personal trainers? Very few CrossFit, um, which is actually surprising. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say, man, less than 20% are CrossFit. Um, some, I'd say another, like, I'd say half, maybe personal trainers that want to, they, they, they realize that their dollar per hour uh, model is just very limiting. Um, and they want to do it differently. And uh, somehow they find us. Um, and then we get a lot of people in the alternative, I, I guess I'll call it the, or the unconventional training or the alternative functional fitness, uh, crowd. We have, um, it, it actually, it's kind of funny for me to, I love talking about it because it's so much of me that I see in the clients So people who are, who come to the strong coach they tend to be way on the functional fitness side, but like less about performance and more about being in flow, more about creativity, more about um, like the sim, like, like all the metaphors. Like I have clients that build metaphors into their training to support people's lives and their like mentally and the things that I'm like, what the fuck, where did that come from? Like, that's brilliant. <laughs> um, I've had so many of our people come through and then they go, Oh, I want to take you through a training session. I'm like, okay, I get, I get trained by who I think are the best people on the planet all the time. Um, I like really set myself up for that and I I'm being taught new things. Are you guys familiar with the rope flow yeah. stuff from WEC? Mm -hmm. Okay. So I got a bunch of rope people. I've got, um, a lot of mace community. I've got, uh, people who are doing very interesting things with kettlebells, uh, steel clubs, wood clubs, basically a lot of the old school training that got forgotten in the last hundred years. A lot of these people are bringing it back. Um, and it's like a mix between strength and conditioning, martial arts, dancing. Uh, and I, I, uh, I go to Burning Man when they, when they have Burning Man and uh, festivals and stuff. And yeah, just really, I've grown a deep appreciation for like the flow arts and which is, I don't know if y'all are familiar with a lot of like poi and things like that. And the amount of athleticism it takes is incredible. And so, um, I think a lot of times people see what's happening with rope, mace, clubs, and they, they may overlook it very easily. And, and I did in the beginning until someone changed my mind. But these things are all, I, I'm more athletic than I ever have been before because I'm using, uh, I warm up with a rope every day. 
but it's a, it's the way in which I do it. But uh, yeah, the, the community is, is, is super cool because um, like I said, it's not really, there's some people that come in from CrossFit or whatever, but they're looking for to do something new. Like they're doing CrossFit. Like I need to like, I need to change it up. And if not for my clients, for me. Um, but I, what I like about it is that, yeah, there's, there's dancing involved. Like if, if you're in the strong coach community and we meet up in person, you're probably going to have a rope put in your hand or a steel mace put in your hand and then be asked to dance at some point. So, but you'll be taught how to do it first. Don't get me wrong. You don't want to get intimidated. But that's something that's just not going to happen. That just doesn't happen in other, like in other strength and conditioning or fitness communities. It's usually, you know, people are, are, you know, around a squat rack seeing who's going to squat the most that day or, or run the fastest. And it's just not going to happen with, with our crew very much. And if, if you are into that and you're in our crew, like we all like that stuff, but it's not the most important thing. It's just a thing that we do when we're training. Who, who changed your mind on the unconventional, like the mace and, and the rope and, and all of that? John Wolf. And so uh, John is the chief fitness officer at Onnit, and he he actually was in my mastermind for a while. So he comes to my mastermind and he like shows me some some like moves for warming up that I'd never seen before, and I go, that actually feels really good. I'm like all right, so he ships me a whole set of mace and a whole set of steel clubs, and it gets to my house in San Diego, and I go. I am like, I don't know what to do with this stuff. So he sends me videos and I'm watching the videos and I'm screwing around in my living room and I go, this is great. You know, it's good, but I didn't really get it. And then he shows up to my house a month later and takes me through a whole afternoon. He's like, do it like this and like this. And I go, Oh, and it's such an experiential thing that trying to describe to somebody, it just, it's never going to land. I go, oh, and what's funny is that was 2015. That was five years ago. And just this past week, I had one of my, one of my uh, coaches come visit me for a few days, and he was showing me some new stuff with a rope. And all of a sudden, I felt my spine connect to my feet in a way that I'd never connected before. And all of a sudden, like my toes were firing my hips, which were firing into my lats, and then my spine started coiling and I'm just like, boom, 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 and generating all this power. And I go, oh, most people who are 39 are just trying to figure out how to, you know, make their shoulder stop hurting. And it, I, I'm like, I'm making progress and learning how to coil my spine athletically, which is something that people generally forget when they're like, you know, when they start walking or, or shortly thereafter. So other than some like cool unconventional functional fitness training methods, what is it that makes your coaches special? Like what are some of the characteristics that make them great coaches and not just trainers? Um, they're, they're truly the steward of their clients' dreams. So uh, if someone comes in and says, hey, I want to like squat this much, bench this much, or you know, I want to like improve my athleticism, there's going to be a lot more questions about, you know, why are you really here? Um, and then we, there's just simple little things. Like we, um, we have access to a lot of language tools. Um, I, I developed something called Enlifted with the team from Procabulary, um, which 
we took the vocabulary uh, language system and we made it specific to fitness. And it's, it's basically everyone, everyone's going to leave the program understanding how the mind works at a much deeper level than they did when they came in. And you can't stop that. You can't really, the more you integrate it into your life, it's automatically going to make its way into the coaching. But we're not, this, the strong coach is not only training the body, it's training the mind. And it's, and everyone comes through is in the conversation and being in touch with their heart and leading from their heart. And so it's really an approach of like, what's going on with your body? What's going on with your mind? What's going on with your heart? And, and there's a generally people that are in are having, if, if they're not taking it to their clients, they're at least having it themselves a much more spiritual conversation. But what I'm witnessing is there's nothing off the table. Um, you know, I remember being a coach and then having clients that were working jobs that I knew that were really taking them away from their goals. And I was, and I remember believing, you know, back in, Oh eight, oh nine. You know, I who am I, this this fitness trainer, to suggest that they quit their job, <laughs> and and I'm not sure I would ever suggest someone to do that. I might ask them questions that would help them discover that that's what they really wanted, or to discover their own values. Um. But yeah, where I'm at now is you know why are we why are we there's no sacred cows. You know, there's nothing that's off the table. It's like, do you want this or don't you want this? And if you, if you do, then this is what it takes. Do you still want this? No. Okay. Well, at least we're honest with ourselves. And so, um, yeah, I, I imagine, I mean, I mean, I talked to the strong coaches. I, I was talking to one of the guys yesterday. I said, what are you, what was, what was it like before? And what was it like after? Cause you know, that's part of marketing. It's like, <laughs> What was, what was your life like before? What was your life like after? And he, he was like, yeah, it was just much more integrated. I, I understood how to work with my clients from a more holistic perspective um, in, in ways I didn't even, like for him, he didn't even know that that was possible. And so I'd like to explain it really well here. And that gap, you know, I, I'm curious is when someone's listening, I'm always I'm always calibrating where is the person who's listening and what do they need to hear to understand it? Mike, what is, what does life look like for you in 10 years, man? Where, where are you working? Where are you waking up? <laughs> Turning the tables a little bit, man. Uh, yeah, life in 10 years. Um, <clears throat> I'll be, I'll be living on, I'll, I'll have multiple properties, but I'll be living my primary property being in Colorado. Uh, on a regenerative farm that it also has a retreat center on site and, uh, and friends living nearby and uh, really, really living a life that's in harmony with nature and more so than it is now, always working towards that. Um, be, I wanna be still creating a lot of media. I wanna be creating more media than I am now. And I want to be really teaching people uh, what, it, what it's like to be in harmony with nature uh, and what it really takes to heal and what 
health actually means. Um, and so that's really my work is, is that of, of helping people heal and yeah, having a family, living in a beautiful place, uh, learning more about nature and uh, having a community of people who, um, who I love, it's easy to get along with and uh, we have a, a good time and we're all aligned in our values and uh, making the world a better place. Well, will, uh, will your teachings, will they kind of, will they get away from coaches and kind of go more widespread or is, do you wanna work with coaches forever? Coaches are my inner circle. Coaches are uh, who I serve first because I impact one coach that impacts a thousand people. And um, I, I think that the coaches will always be at my, you know, who I serve first. If I can't explain it to a coach, if I can't get a coach there, then I'm not going to get the average person there. Right. And so I, I, I think that there are, there's just a lot of people that are in different stages of development for, diff for different areas of life. And I really believe it takes a community and where I'm at right now, there's, I don't think it may not even be possible for me to talk to everybody. I just want to talk to the people who are supposed to be there uh, and let them take it, uh, take it from there. One last question for you, Mike, because you mentioned that you, want to help uh, people figure out what health really means. And this is something that's so important, this idea of like true health and true fitness and what is behind that. That's important to our audience. So to you, what does health really mean? Um, you know, health is the, it's the natural way of being. You know, it's, it's uh, health is, is always present and if it's not present, it just means that there's something in the way. There's something blocking that. Uh, there's something that is in the way of what is natural, what is, what is nature. And so it's, it's really looking at society as a whole right now where people's impression of what health is, is the, the absence of symptoms that might be associated with disease. And so... Um, it's, it's really getting people to connect the dots as well as I have at this point on, on there are, there's, there's the right amount of structure. There's the right amount of flow. The structure is appropriate for the moment. Um, and energetically things need to be able to flow. Uh, the more work that I do, the more I, I realize that most disease that that shows up in the body is emotional in nature the 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 energy the the emotions emotion means energy in motion um if you look at like the latin breakdown emoter and most people are suppressing their emotions and then that results and that could result in a shoulder injury you know i'm not dealing with an emotion it causes uh, the fascia in my gut to constrict, to be inflamed. And now I can't, my posture is out of place. And now my shoulder hurts. And it, it, it's, 
people are so focused on the symptom and not getting down to the true root cause because there's the physical root causes there's the mental root causes there are the emotional root causes and these things are all connected they're not separate um, we can talk about them as separate because that's what the mind does the mind loves to separate things to make sense of it well enough to do something about it but your emotional state your mental state your physical state your spiritual state these are all impacting each other and if you are not integrating all of this then you cannot be healthy you will have problems um and we have a society that wants to separate everything out it refuses to integrate and then um freaks out when they when the something they don't understand surfaces and it, yeah it's, it's just i mean part of being healthy is just realizing you're gonna die one day that's that's the truth of it. If you aren't at peace with your own death, you can't be healthy. Yeah, that's, uh, it's funny you say that because at OPEX we have this list of basic lifestyle guidelines and on that list is uh, you'll one day die, get over it and get living. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's, a, that's impact, impacting at least the United States pretty bad right now. Yeah, <laughs> that's a different topic. <laughs> Lack of... Uh, reality in regard to numbers and depth and realizing that uh you know you could add all this stuff up and calculate true risk here and uh by the way you're gonna go at some point so <laughs> i love i love that that's on there cool yeah well it was awesome to connect mike and uh i'm excited to see this regenerative bomb come to light that's uh sounds like a place i want to visit yeah what, what are next steps with that man uh, I'm, you know, what's funny is I, I started talking about this and I've had so many people come out of the woodwork that want to be involved. So I'm in the process of creating, uh, some type, I don't know what it is yet. It's gonna, It might be a trust, some type of, of, uh, entity that's going to be able to hold, uh, value for many people and that'll own the property. So we're really figuring out the financial side of it. Um, cause I almost was just like, oh, I'm going to go get a piece of land and then all these people want it. And I go, well, I guess I'll do it right from the beginning. Cause if I have to like then sell it back, then it's a problem. So I go, okay, we'll, we'll do it right. We're going to do that. And we're also going to uh, come up with a governance model. So I don't want it to be my land. Um, really uh, what I want is for there to be a board that oversees uh, what happens with the property and properties. Cause we're going to do more than one. Um, but yeah, it's what the way I'm building it right now is it's, it's going to be a bit of an investment tool as well as a community. So, you know, figuring out the governance model, things like that. I, I would love to be able to put something together by the spring. So once we get that started, we'll all we'll put an invite out. We'll throw a big party. Yeah. <laughs> Send me some, send me some information, man. It kind of sounds like you're, I'm hearing like bland. It's like, okay, you're going to have like your own little country, um, a board, you're going to have a government. It's like, man, I, I see what you're up to, man. <laughs> <laughs> Laws, hospitals, schools, yeah, and then animals, of course. We need, we need, um, somebody needs to be experimenting with alternative ways of doing things and not just not just ideas because people have ideas and then they go to government and they put in a request that they change something and want permission or whatever. And 
it doesn't it doesn't work that way that's not real that's that's a bunch of people just signing pieces of paper and passing them around it's, it's bullshit and what we really need is people who are going to put you know rubber meets the road actually do the thing experiment with it do it in a different way and if it works then encourage people to adopt it and there there will definitely be things that don't work and i'm very good at saying that didn't work and let's do it differently so uh so yeah we're, we're going into some interesting territory keep us updated Losses. man keep us updated <laughs> we're gonna have fun cool i think that's uh I think that's all I have. I don't. I don't have any yeah. other questions. Is there? Is there anything you want to put out, Mike, before we wrap this thing up? Man, um, not. If somebody has any questions for me specifically, just reach out on Instagram. Instagram's the best. Mike underscore Bledsoe. I answer all of them. Aside from that, I'm. Uh, I'm complete. Cool, man. Thanks, yeah. buddy. We appreciate it, man. Awesome to chat, Mike. Stay with us for more backroom talk. Gosh, I was very excited for this interview. I mean, when I think about fitness podcasters, uh, Mike Bledsoe and the Barbell Shrugged crew, like they were the ones that got me into listening to fitness podcasts. I have so many fond memories of, you know, making my 30 minute drive to the gym in the morning and back home, uh, listening to those guys chat. Yeah. Uh, gosh, let's just say Mike is a different person now though, right? Like he's not the same person that you heard in 2012 at Rich Froning's house shooting guns and podcasting, right? He's a, he's a different, different person. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's, he's doing some really cool things with the strong coach. He's gone through this evolution and he kind of talked us through what that looked like and how he got to where he's at today. Well, kind of talked us through that, but you, you can kind of see, you can kind of see some things that have happened in his life and kind of just lays out a lot of a lot of things that we talk about right like he did a lot of self-reflection self-assessment looking at you know what his life was what he wanted to be um and the path that he was on wasn't going to get him to that place right and that was really obvious and that's what he's doing with his coaches now within inside of the strong coach yeah it was uh I'm very curious to see what a regenerative farm looks like. So uh, looking forward to the outcome of that project. That's like a, that's a, I'm, I'm sure that's like a government thing that he's putting together. He's putting together like a little, they're going to secede. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to, he's going to be like the Quebec of the United States. You know, they just kind of want to be their own thing. Yeah. He's going to be his own thing in Colorado. That's a thing in Australia. Actually, there are a couple of like small properties where people have declared themselves micro states. Uh, and it, it, it's actually like a legal thing that happens. It's very, very strange. Go Google micro states in Australia if you're interested. Um, anyway, we'll see. Maybe that's yeah, uh, maybe yeah. that's the plan. Yeah, I'm excited to see what he does there. Indeed.